0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Bell Dumber podcast. I'm Max Littman, host and founder of the Bell Dumber, and also writer and everything but editor at the moment. Uh, Today, we're going to be jumping into a really exciting inaugural podcast episode. We're going to be talking politics, not politics, maybe a little sports. We'll see. And I'm joined by the incredible Kyle Whitlatch. Kyle is a DC political operative, right, Kyle? Kyle introduce yourself yeah yeah i I don't
1: love it the weather here is uh not quite as nice as ohio but you know i'll be back someday
0: i live in wisconsin i don't think we can really talk about the weather and complain if you're from dc or in dc right now
1: that that is fair
0: all right uh we have a really fun episode in store today with our guest host kyle great guy first up kyle let's talk what's on everyone's mind right now presidential primary
1: oh man where do I start? Well, the first thing that, that comes to mind, come some kind of in the last week, is uh, is the whole Tulsi, the whole Tulsi Gabbard thing. Um, I think the, the first thing is is Hillary Clinton. Basically, everything that Hillary Clinton said during the entire election in 2016 has basically come to pass, more or less. Um, and Tulsi is just. God, she's the she's a Democrat in the worst possible way. Does, is, here's a question I'm sorry? for you?
0: No, I totally agree. Here's a question for you: Is Hillary calling out Tulsi, rightfully so, and signal boosting her good for Tulsi or not? Your take?
1: Ah, uh, I mean, I think there is a group of people in 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 the Democratic Party who are overwhelmingly supporting Bernie, who kind of have always hated Hillary. Just it, it's just it's just a thing. It's like it, no matter what she said, it was just wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's largely a gender thing, but um, you know, there there's always there's always a group that is like, we hate the DNC, you know, we hate we hate the establishment, and Tulsi is kind of, for some reason, you know, getting you know, hitting that you know, hitting that button for those. You,
0: you could say the Bernie bro demographic. I think we're all comfortable with that. Yep. 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 Here's my take but. on the, here, here's my take on that. I think Hillary signal boosting her and calling her out on Twitter probably good for Tulsi for about three days. After three days, no one's gonna care anymore, and we're gonna go straight back to Tulsi having no recognition whatsoever. Rightfully so, and uh, outside of the Tucker Carlson Bernie Bro crowd.
1: Yeah, there was I, I saw um, on Twitter a couple of days ago there was an event that Tulsi was supposed to be at in Iowa somewhere, and uh, and she was like an hour or two late. And and some of the people who were at this, this media event saw that she was late because she'd actually been a guest a guest a, she'd been a guest on Tucker Carlson's show, and if that doesn't if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about Tulsi Gabbard in a thirty second story, then I I, I don't know what will.
0: I I agree with you there. I'm mostly anti litmus test, uh, despite that being my trivia team's name. I don't like litmus tests in primaries because I think they're stupid. In this one, I think it's totally fair to have a litmus test is if your candidate appears on Tucker Carlson regularly, you shouldn't vote for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think litmus tests in general, I, I think a litmus test that I'm totally comfortable having for the Democratic Party is, uh, is whether you were ever um, uh, an active homophobe, um, whether you a- ever yeah. actively worked against the LGBT community. And, you know, litmus tests on healthcare and, you know, national, national security and, and, you know, all those other kind of debatable issues, I am generally against. Like you, you know, I agree with you. But I think the LGBT stuff for me is just like a non negotiable. And she was DOA for me as it is. But, oh, yeah. It, it, she, it's, just, it, it's just gotten so bad over the last two or three weeks.
0: Going off that litmus test talk, which I think is really important one litmus test i really really dislike is 2001 uh, Iraq war 2003 i guess Iraq war vote i'm really sick and tired of the litmus test there and disqualifying candidates because 16 years ago now they voted for a war i really just don't think it's fair at this point was the iraq war yeah, good I mean, absolutely not but
1: yeah i mean i think I, I think it's such an easy it's such an easy target for older older politicians to make right mm-hmm. like it's it's so easy for you know, Mayor Pete or, you know, Tom Steyer, for example, or any of the younger generation to attack the older generation for having voted for the Iraq war when there's, it's just, it, it, it's not fair because it, it's like, it's like attacking somebody for, you know, their Pearl Harbor, you know, their, their World War Two vote. Like everybody was so, you know, enraged and it was in the moment and, you know, people were lied to and. Yeah, there were, you know, 40 members of Congress that that ended up having voted the correct way on it, but there's no way you could have known in in that moment that that what was the decision being made then was going to be such a disaster.
0: Absolutely, and I don't think it's fair to blame them for Bush's administration lying. I think the people at fault there are Bush's administration.
1: Condoleezza Rice, Colin Powell, George Bush himself, Karl Rove, El- know, El- Ellen whole De- Ellen
0: DeGeneres, yeah, the usual group there. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, Ellen. Ellen, but the Bush administration is your fault.
0: I, I'm very comfortable blaming Ellen uh, for all of societal society's failures. I don't really care for her. Uh, that's not an LGBT statement whatsoever. I just dislike Ellen.
1: I think I, I, I agree with you in, in, in general.
0: That is great. All right, we're going to move on. Next set of presidential primary talk. Uh, we're going to talk Judge. What is going on with him right now?
1: some of the best staff in the country. I mean he's got you know Liz Smith is freaking fricking frickin
0: Liz Smith is fan- fantastic staff. She
1: is I, I and I mean this in the best possible way, way but she terrifies me politically. I can't imagine ever working on a campaign where I had to go head to head with her. Yeah. Um you know she's just she's just a dynamo. I mean she just she knows what to say and how to get you know people, you know, journalists to write about it and 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 somehow she can't you know, I, I think Pete is very much a, a politician in her mold. He has been molded by her in in so many in so many very clear ways. you know I think he comes off to me more and more every day as, as super focus grouped and like it's 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 I don't know what he believes in. you know I, I think uh-huh. he wants all things to all people. and I don't find that inspiring. I'm not a puri- you know, I'm not a Puritan in this in this you know, I'm not a purist in, in this primary, but I think he doesn't I, I don't know what he stands for. You know, I, I, I've met him a few times, he's a great guy. He's a he's he's got the it factor as a politician, but I just don't I, I don't know what he believes. You know, he attacks Warren one week for, you know, being for Medicare for all and says, Oh, we'll have Medicare for all who wants it which is a great talking point, but what does it actually mean? And you know, back in 2018 or 2017 or whenever he was running for DNC chair, he was asked on Twitter if he was for Medicare for all, and he said, "Yeah, put me on the record. I'm for Medicare for all." And I just, I don't know where he stands, and you know that that really, really bothers me. As polished and you know perfect as his record may be,
0: here here's two thoughts I have on the matter that I think aren't very important, but are somewhat interesting. I think one, I think his talk the past week in the primary. I think he realizes in his staff realizes that he has to have another breakthrough moment right Warren is getting all the headlines right now probably rightfully so based off her polling numbers and I I hate the big breakout breakthrough moment talk but I think he needs to start making headlines and he has to start doing it really quick because the primaries like it or not are two months away at this point
1: yeah I mean I I, I think mm -hmm. the the next debate I'm not you know it's in November sometime is going to be for a lot of candidates and I mean, of course, he will have the financial resources to run all the way through Super Tuesday and beyond. Yeah. He's going to have the money; money frame is not an issue. It's the exposure, right? I mean, I think Trump proved in 2016 that you don't necessarily need to be the best, the biggest, and best fundraiser because getting interviewed and getting earned media attention is more valuable than anything that money can buy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think. Pete is going to have the money to be up on TV and on digital in all the early states and then all the Super Tuesday states and all that. He's going to be able to have organizers everywhere he wants to. It's just that he's not going to. I think he, when he first announced, was getting you know all these really fluffy pieces and you know the New Yorker and the Times and the Post and you know all this, all these great. The, the, the
0: same right? exact stuff as Beto, by the way.
1: Exactly. 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 That's another person we didn't have on the rundown who I, I think we, we should talk about, but I don't even yeah, know I if we should. Once, once once the initial bump of like, ooh, who's this new attractive guy who just entered the race? We've never heard of him before. Once that wore off, like is there really anything super exciting and unique about him? I don't really think so.
0: He worked for McKeeson. Uh, here's my here's my second thought on Pete, and I think this is an interesting one. I think and I mean obviously I don't know anything here. Pete is the candidate in the primary that President Obama would be most likely to vote for in the primary.
1: So, oh, uh, that's interesting. Est- I mean,
0: establishment corporate Democrat. I know, like, knock Obama Obama all you want or not knock him. He would support an establishment Democrat. Pete is pretty much establishment. Fairly corporate. Mundane, Midwest. I don't know if Chicago's even Midwest, but whatever.
1: I think I, I think Obama is a super a super weird politician to compare people to because his, he ran in 2008 as like the outsider. You know, Hillary Mm -hmm. was the most, was the most establishment candidate you could imagine. And he ran as this, you know, great community organizer from Chicago. He's, you know, the young blood in the party and, you know, all this great positive stuff. And then by the time he left office, of course he was like the center of the party, uh, you know, his, his campaigns basically scraped the DNC for everything it had and left it for dead in 2016, but, you know, that's yeah. not – that's – that's. Let, me, let, I, I
0: let me expand on my thoughts there, though. I don't think – Absolutely. I don't think the Pete-Obama comparison is a good one. I don't – I'm not comparing them. I just think Obama would be most inclined to vote for Pete.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that's true. Yeah, I, I think he certainly wouldn't vote for Liz Warren or no, Bernie no. and – well, I don't, I don't know. He, he probably would vote for Biden, right? No, I, I,
0: I, I don't think he'd vote for Biden. I really don't. I think that Biden was a strategic VP choice, and I think the contemporary public thinking of VPs matter is completely wrong, as I think is fairly agreed upon in political science. But Biden was like a fairly non-contentious establishment VP pick, and I don't think we've seen anything out of Obama that would indicate that Biden's worthy of anything.
1: I guess, I guess I see that. I guess that's, I agree.
0: And I mean, if, if Obama liked Biden that much still, I feel like he would endorse Biden or at least stump for Biden at some point soon.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think Biden was holding out for an endorsement maybe back in, you know, September, August, July. But, um,
0: if, Bi- I if Biden that's... gets a July endorsement from president Obama, this is over. Like this race is completely done outside oh, of geez. maybe you still have Warren and Bernie sticking around, but this is over.
1: He clears the field, absolutely. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, if um, I if I am may repeat, decisions. if I may repeat, I'm going up against an Obama endorsement. I'm done.
1: Yeah, there's, the Obama endorsement is is the nuclear weapon in this primary. There's no, yeah, there's just absolutely nothing, there's no way to come back from it.
0: And if we look at 2018, Obama's endorsements did, I, I don't know the measurable bump, I'm sure someone has done a report on this, but the Obama endorsees, at least in Ohio, did like fairly better than they would have. He, yeah, picked, I, he picked up a lot of state ledge seats.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think in a lot of ways, he, Obama is was really strategic in doing those state-level endorsements in 2018. Yeah. Because, you know, not to say that, you know, he didn't have an impact on, like, the margin of Beth Liston in, you know, HD21 or anything like that. But, like, I don't necessarily think that he endorsed any candidate that – and I don't think he necessarily endorsed a candidate who got across the line as a result of his endorsement.
0: I I agree with that, but I think things like the Liston endorsement certainly didn't hurt Beth Liston. She won. She's going to win in 2020 in her seat, and now you have a safety seat in Central Ohio. Another one, which is great for everyone.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I I totally agree with you.
0: All right. You want to move on and uh, talk Biden more? I'm going to go out on a limb uh, here. Right now, I think Biden still probably maybe wins. And I I clarify probably with maybe because I don't actually know, and I don't even know if it's probable. But I mean, you got to look at him leading the polls pretty much everywhere still.
1: I, I mean, I, I think what should scare him more than anything is that with Warren surge, it's not it's not being taken from Biden, right? It's it's yeah. mostly it's mostly taking away from. You know the Kamalas and the Bettos and the Bookers and stuff like that, which is strange to me because they were in completely different, you know, so-called lanes in this primary. But mm-hmm. I, I think the fact that he's in basically a two two and a half person right, you know, race if you want to include Bernie in the top two, if
0: I, you want to I include don't.
1: Bernie in that. Um, I think the polling trend line should scare the absolute shit out of him.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
1: like it should. It should. He and he and his his team should be peeing their pants. It's just his, it's he also, really not. It's not great.
0: He also doesn't have a great staff. His staff is effectively the leftovers of all the big whites that were left over because he declared so late. I think that's part of it. Is like objectively, you go at his staff. It's not an all star team. It's not that great. He didn't get a lot of Obama staff.
1: I think uh, I think in this primary, Obama staff are are really really over overvalued. Um, Agreed. A lot of them are now expensive consultants who do corporate work and, you know, good for them. They're making their millions in San Francisco and D.C. and New York and L.A. and whatever or making podcasts or whatever. But his his campaign manager is the cream of the crop. Greg Schultz is Ohio boy, Ohio till we die. Um, he is the best of the best. Like he's I, I think he is probably the best campaign manager out there and I just think he's working with a candidate who is not exciting. It's it's a different primary than when he first ran for president in what like fourteen ninety two or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think he um, ran against like uh, he ran against uh, the peanut guy, cr- Jimmy Carter. Yeah, blanked yep, on the yep. name for a second there.
1: But yeah, I just think and and you know having nine million dollars on hand at the end of the third quarter and the off year is horrible you can't write an article that, that conveys how bad that is for a president. Like $9 million mm-hmm. on hand, I think it's like 8.7 or something, is just like how do you – like? it's it's just pathetic.
0: To put, to put that in perspective, Tom Steyer has $1.4 billion cash on hand. <laughs> I think you made a really yeah. good point, though, with the consulting point. You look at guys like Adam Parkmenko, who worked for Michael Avenatti for president, the consultant yeah. class is a very weird one that does whatever they can for money and a buck. And if that's working for Michael Avenatti, shout out to Avenatti Pack, a former super PAC ran by a very influential Ohio politician.
1: Now, now known as uh, as Pack Avenatti, the, uh, the 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 vaunted polling firm out of Worthington, Ohio.
0: Uh, for those of you listening who don't know, I started a Michael Avenatti super PAC that didn't actually advocate for Michael Avenatti and had to shut it down after some domestic abuse allegations against Michael Avenatti came out. But that's neither here nor there.
1: Can you share what the uh, what the, uh, the acronym was?
0: American Values Enhancing Nuance Trouncing Tough Intruders PAC. And the key there is PAC did not stand for Political Action Committee. It just stood for PAC. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh. Every time you say that it just cracks me up.
0: Yeah, it was great. Uh, so my thing with you know, we'll talk Bernie a second here. Uh, I know I wrote about it last week in his heart attack and definitely absolutely dislike Bernie. I really truly think this is a three-candidate race and Bernie's not one of the three. I think the only I mean, and I'm like like we'll go 95% confidence oh interval God. here. Obviously not 100. You have Biden leading most of the polls right now. You have Warren, obviously, surging like crazy. And then a wild card, Kamala Harris, if she can come through just absolutely massive in the South and in the predominantly bl- black Democratic voting states, which I think she still has absolutely the potential to, I think if she can get her fundraising up enough to make it to there, she can make it a three-horse race.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think going back to Pete, his troubles with the African-American community is, is- – absolutely fatal in this primary
0: yeah yeah
1: they are they are near 90 percent of the of the primary pop the primary electorate in almost all of the southern states i mean i mean for god's sakes alabama democrats it's just it's just entirely Mm african-american and so if you're if you're pulling at zero one two three percent in the african-american community you're toast you are toasted and and i just i i think that is going to prove fatal to him
0: in the, con- the conventional wisdom right now, I think, is that Biden's shot is to maybe win Iowa, keep it close, he's going to lose New Hampshire, whatever, but then win in South Carolina and keep winning in the South. If Kamala can win in South Carolina, I think it's a very compelling case for her, and I think her fundraising goes through the roof. Until then, yeah, yeah. I haven't been that impressed with her campaign. Her debate performances were weird, to say the least.
1: I think, I think Biden, especially managing expectations like he's been doing since, like, Pretty much the beginning of his campaign shows that he's a whole lot weaker than, than people give him credit for. I mean, at, at the beginning, mm-hmm. at the beginning of his campaign, you saw like most of his campaign was very confident outwardly about, oh, we're going to win Iowa, you know, on the backs of you know moderate Democrats, and you know, we're going to we're going to tromp on to North New Hampshire, and you know, we're going to win that, and then we'll have momentum, and you know, if you win New Hampshire and in Iowa, then it's pretty much over. And I, I just think that now they're saying, "Oh, you know, if we come if we come in the top three in Iowa, that's a win." Like, yeah, ugh, I, ugh, I, don't, I, I don't know if I would make that gamble.
0: Can Can we do a quick NFL comparison of Biden to NFL quarterbacks? Hear me out. Derek Carr, game manager. He can manage the hell out of a game, but Derek Carr is not beating expectations.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's true. I mean, I think Derek Carr is expected to be like, you know, a B quarterback. He's like he's like a, a, a B minus B quarterback. That's just that that's just what he is. And he meets those expectations week in and week out. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I think that is that is Biden, you know.
0: And then you look at Warren, in the past two months she's gone up what, twenty percent in some states? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm also just very impressed with her team as well. I know we didn't really touch on her much. She has a very good data team. Uh shout out yep. to them. And she,
1: I, or, I know, I know one of her data people in South Carolina, and she is, uh, she is top notch.
0: Yeah, she has a very underrated talent team. I don't even want to say underrated because they're rated fairly, but fairly rated talent team, and she's rolling <laughs> right now.
1: Yeah, the way that she's running her campaign is also super unique. Like she's not using a whole lot of consultants and media buyers, which just I love save just, save your money. There's yeah, they are leeches. They are absolute leeches on your campaign, and I'm glad she's. The first one that who has finally taken a shot at the consultant class.
0: I know we're, we're not, I don't want to talk Trump, but if you look at Trump and talk about consulting leeches, Brad Parscale, his campaign manager, who's a supposed data guru, Nate Silver went off on him today and said his supposed, like, super hyper-targeted social media things didn't really do anything, absolutely correct. Brad Parscale, anytime you see something in the media, whatever, about Brad Parscale being a genius, he's not. He was a washed-up, sh- pretty shitty web developer. He's not doing anything. Yep. His, I mean, Facebook helped out the Trump campaign more than anything, and Brad Parscale is not responsible for what happened on Facebook. That's the Russians. Yeah. And he's just a money leech, which I'm fine with. Take all of Trump's money. That's fine with me.
1: Yeah. Now, now moving on to my boy Steve Bullock. I, I have nothing s-
0: I have nothing to say about him. You can say whatever you want.
1: In the, there was an Emerson poll... Like last week, a plus holster shows he by was the way. Four percent. That is a trend. My boy Steve Bullock is maybe not going to win the nomination, but he's setting himself up to maybe get interior. Yeah, oh
0: for... yeah, give him into that. Uh, that's fine. Like if he wants to set himself up for interior, take it. He's Ryan Zinke. Without yeah, everything he's, else. He's
1: Ryan Zinke, except he actually understands what uh, what the interior department is actually supposed to do. So you know.
0: Speaking of Ryan Zinke, I have a Ryan Zinke challenge coin sitting on my desk, and I am waiting to sell it. Uh,
1: what, what, what did your friend who works at uh, your friend who works for the government now? Did he get that for you?
0: Uh, it was given to me by Secretary Zinke himself, actually. And it's you know what, what it's sitting next do? to. You know what it's sitting next to on my desk. It's sitting. I have no idea. It's sitting next to my Eric Crichton's signed audiobook. And for those listening who don't know who Eric Graydons is, he was the former governor of Missouri, Navy SEAL, who was in, who resigned after getting indicted for blackmailing his mistress, or his mistress blackmailing him, or something along those lines.
1: It was, uh, it was a very, very strange and unhealthy affair that they had.
0: And his audio book is on my desk right now, signed. It's up for sale. Anyone email me, uh, the Bell Dumber's official email. I don't know what it is, but I think it's in the the newsletter or something. (laughs) Email me if you want it. I'll take best offer or $5, whichever is higher.
1: (laughs) And then we inevitably get to Bernie. Uh,
0: I don't want to talk about him. He had a heart attack. Uh, That's enough talk for him. Fair enough,
1: fair enough. We'll, We'll come back to him in another future episode.
0: Uh, I mean I think in the future he'll be no he's not gonna drop out so I can't say that but when his polling gets to like 5% is he gonna drop out before the uh, the convention thoughts?
1: I, I don't know that he I don't know that he's in it to make it to the convention. He having a heart attack I mean when my grandpa had his first heart attack when I was maybe two, it just changed everything for him. you know He had already retired but he st- he cut back on a lot of some of the hobbies that he did and he really started to focus on. You know, spending time with family and stuff, and I, I think, as much as Bernie wants to say that he's still fully in it, you you can't be. It's just it's just not humanly possible for you to be all the way in after a heart attack. Heart attack, heart attack is su- just such a terrifying thing to happen, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody.
0: And as much
1: as I, as much yeah. as I in the past have have shared my feelings on all avenues of social media that I that I that I do not like Bernie's candidacy very much.
0: Everyone's hyping up his surge because of his big New York. 25,000 people thing with AOC and Rashida... No, nah, Tlaib wasn't there, was she?
1: No, she she just endorsed him, I think, yeah, in a whatever. statement.
0: But, so everyone's hyping that up. I mean, look at the photos. It's pretty cringy. The rally was in, uh, was in Harlem, uh, and it looked entirely white, which in and of itself is pretty bad. And they got a lot of people. That's great. It's New York City. It doesn't matter in the primary whatsoever. Yep. And also... An AOC endorsement is not gonna help you in Iowa. I mean, her numbers are re- surprisingly really good with Democrats. I don't think they matters all that much. I don't think the endorsement primary matters as much as anyone wants it to matter. I also think that a much more impressive endorsement would be freshman representative Ayanna Pressley, who's going to endorse Elizabeth Warren. And I ding, think, ding 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 ding! Absolutely. Think the big Politico story that came out that uh, AOC called Bernie in the hospital after the heart attack and decided to endorse him because of the heart attack is probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, I.
0: Oh wow, my candidate had a heart attack. Time to endorse him now when he needs it more than ever because he might have actually died.
1: Yeah, I. I I don't. I, I don't really understand Bernie's appeal to young white progressives you know i get i get that he's you know an, he's unapologetically liberal when it comes to all these different issues but but man like on some unlike, on, on race issues he's just like he's very meh at best
0: but kyle he wrote the damn bill after voting against the brady bill five times
1: oh yep 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 and again that, that's another thing that i don't like is is taking one issue in which he really was representing his constituents very well yeah and, and going after him for it, I think that's I think that's an unfair attack on Bernie, especially.
0: And I'm still going to attack him for being so bad on guns. I really don't care.
1: No, I, I, yeah, I think I think he has not had a good enough explanation for why he was, but I understand it and I accept that. Oh, I anyone still, that no, understands still the, vote for
0: him. anyone that understands the political makeup of Vermont knows why his position is what it is on guns. If you look at, yes. Verm- they're strongly libertarian. They love that he's an yes. independent, but at the same time. He's really bad on guns.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that is, that's quite self-evidently true. All
0: right, yeah, you want to get off of this national stuff and go to things that people actually care about?
1: Oh, heck yeah. For all, for all 15 listeners back in Ohio, we're about to go, go in deep on, uh, on House Bill 6.
0: This is getting emailed out to all of the Bell Dumber subscribers, which is a shockingly fairly high amount of people. I what, won't say what, the exact what number, number. are we talking about? I, I'm not going to give numbers because this isn't a presidential campaign. I'll release it at the quarterly filing deadline.
1: Oh, man. That, that's like that's like the end of January.
0: Yeah. Uh, the end of January, I'll put up how many numbers we're doing. But we're doing like some small numbers, and we've made so far $3 off of this venture.
1: Whoa. At least we're revenue positive.
0: Uh, no, we're not. I've spent way more than $3 on this venture. I know I we're revenue positive, we're not profit positive. Is that I don't I don't do business. Is that a thing?
1: You uh you want to you want to take a break and and hear a message from our sponsor.
0: I keep saying like if anyone wants to sponsor us like just please contact me. I will take your money. I don't want to charge for this cuz I don't think this is worth money to listen to <laughs> or read, but people keep telling me it is. So I don't know.
1: It's brought. It's brought to you by Epic Systems.
0: Uh, I don't. I definitely don't work for them. This is not. This uh, nope. I don't have a job right now outside of writing.
1: Fair. Fair enough.
0: Definitely Let's go not. To Ohio. Definitely not a Supreme Court case there either. Either. Uh, yeah, House Bill Six. Uh, I write about it every week now. It feels like it sucks.
1: It is. I. I have like. An elementary knowledge of, of the energy system and energy politics, and HB six is basically if you took everything that that the oil companies and the well, one oil unregulated,
0: co- one oil company in particular, because this, ha- this this helps one company.
1: True, it is it is it should most aptly be called the first energy bailout. Yes. Um, and just, just so we're clear, all of their lobbyists in Columbus are absolute slime balls. Oh yeah, just. Absolutely dirty people, and they're gross, and I hate all of them. And if you work in support of this bill, I do not like you, and I will never work with you. Um, they are, they are, they are underhanded. They are dishonest. They are, they are, straight up breaking some laws in some cases. Um, but they,
0: they taught us a valuable lesson, which is if you have five million dollars, you can get any bill you want passed in the state of Ohio
1: yes yep that is that is absolutely true you know they almost had me fooled you know Householder almost had me fooled he had me fooled for about about six months
0: another another important lesson it's Larry Householder never trust him until he's in prison again
1: that that is that is a that is a painful lesson I have learned but just announcing where you know petition collectors are and Mm -hmm. you know offering them money and a one-way flight back to their homes
0: smart as hell Very smart.
1: Yes. No. Oh no 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 no. All of these large big money uh, campaigns in Ohio are smart as hell.
0: Absolutely. Give them that.
1: But they are. That is. That is just dirty. That is. It's just. It. It's. Oh God! Politics is a
0: very dirty game, and that still crosses the line of where I'm not okay with it.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, doxing doxing the the petition workers because you know they have to they. for many people who don't know, all petition workers who who are, you know, going out and getting petition getting signatures to get something on the ballot, you have to put your home address. You have to register your home address and your phone number, and I think it might be an email address with the Secretary of State, and it becomes public. So what the HB six campaign, the anti or the 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 pro HB six crowd, the one funded by First Energy, mm-hmm. has been calling those people and emailing them and offering them money. And
0: $2,500.
1: Yeah, which for a lot of these people who are paid $3 a signature is a whole lot of money. And it is not illegal, unfortunately. It should but be. But it, it is just, it's wrong. And, and it is against, it, it violates so many norms of our democracy. Not that, not that we seemingly have any norms left, but you know.
0: And I think you touched on the point important point there a lot of the people that don't quite understand how the petition collection process and verification process works they hound you so hard because it is very tough to get a valid petition petition signature the address yes. has to be verified they have to be a voter in the state of ohio and if you look at ohio state there are a lot of kids there that are not valid petition signers it is very hard to get a valid signature and you get paid well if you can get a lot of valid signatures
1: yep i uh I read I read a couple of days ago that the the first energy guys were running a a pro hb6 petition campaign also
0: yeah that, that, that's the and, big one that's at Ohio State right now
1: oh really yeah mm-hmm. and and they were offering so the standard the standard rate for petition for, for signature gatherers is like three or four dollars a signature and a valid signature
0: not just a signature mind you
1: yes yes mm-hmm. yes a valid verified signature and the, uh, the HB6, the pro HB6 people were offering 6 to $8 a signature, which is just lighting money on fire in the interests of corporate shareholders.
0: I mean, if I had no morals, I would absolutely go to Ohio and work for the HB6 guys. They pay, in, yeah. they pay insane rates to everyone. Their consultants are paid so well. Larry Householder financed every single candidate that he had win on his slate for House Speaker with HB6 money. Effect with First Energy yeah. money, it's all tracing yeah. back to First Energy here, and it, it's so blatantly obvious.
1: It reminds me. It reminds me of uh, of the uh, the drug pricing bill that that the, the fight that happened in 2017.
0: Mm-hmm. It's even worse than that, but I totally agree. Uh, you want to remind and, people and about I it?
1: The, the consulting firm and I, I worked for a, for a group that did some work for the um, the pros the the anti side who are against it, and just. Stunning, 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 stunning amounts of money were spent, and the absurd things that they were spending money on and the absurd volumes. I mean, some of the consultants in Ohio would go up to them and say – and and the people that were running the campaign would say, like, oh, how much do you need to be paid? And it was like – and somebody would say, like, oh, I don't know, like 7500 a month, and they'd be like, okay. It, there it, was no negotiation. It, it was a blank, blank check. check.
0: It, that Exactly. It is a blank check from their side to do effectively undermine Ohio democracy.
1: Yep. And and the goal, and I'm and I'm sure the H B six crowd is doing this as well, is instead of actually like employing consultants, they'll just pay them to not work for the other side.
0: Yeah, all the good consult like all the not I don't want to say good, but all the like very talented consultants are either sitting out or on the HB six side.
1: Yep. And if they're sitting out, it means they're being paid by the pro side.
0: Yeah. Or have other financial considerations with the pro side because the pro side are very, very powerful in Ohio politics at the moment because Larry householders is in their pockets. If yes. you see lobbyists sitting out, it also could be because one of their other clients they don't want to get railroaded by Larry Householder.
1: Yes, yes, all of that is definitely true.
0: the The Columbus lobbying game is very tough to understand. I, I don't know how well I understand it, and I worked in Ohio politics for a fair amount of time. It's it's yeah. tough, and there's not many lobbyists that are good and effective, and the ones that are have a absolute ton of clients.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Absolutely. I mean. I mean. So many of the. I mean, if you look at lobbyist uh, registrations on JLAC, it's it's mm-hmm. kind of unbelievable. I mean, probably five percent of the lobbyists in Ohio lobby for ninety percent of the ninety percent of the, the people who have registered lobbyists.
0: Yeah, which I mean, I absolutely can't blame the effective ones are effective for a reason, but also they're effective because of people like Larry Householder who make them
1: effective. Yeah absolutely oh yeah if you work in householder's office for a year or two and then you decide to go be a lobbyist you're going to you're going to instantly be making a quarter mil that's just like that's just starting salary
0: yeah and from my experience uh i know a couple people that work for householder one of them was one of the worst people i ever worked with who got fired for sleeping on the job at the state house too many times and he's now a householder aide a top aide actually
1: yeah it's 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 almost comical If it weren't
0: so pathetic. Yeah, I mean, he just never should have been allowed to make the – everyone's, like, his comeback. He never should have been allowed to make the comeback. He had to resign in 2002, I believe, as House Speaker because of FBI investigation. The FBI probably – we don't know the details. They probably cut a deal with him, which is a – I'll call it a Cliff deal. Cliff Rosenberg also resigned under FBI scrutiny. It's a resign and we will not prosecute you deal. And Larry Householder, to his credit, resigned, wasn't – prosecuted by the FBI to the fullest extent wasn't indicted, I don't believe.
1: I'm sure he sent some people to prison. I have I have no doubt yeah. that he sent some of, his, some of his people to prison.
0: And now all of a sudden he's back, he's allowed to return and no one can really do anything because he has all the money in his pockets. He's more powerful than Governor DeWine right now. Governor DeWine also is very, very weak for a governor, I would say. I think a lot of it factors into his age and people are keep saying who's next. Larry Halshuter has remarkably more power than Mike DeWine right now.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, he, he has labor behind him in a way that, that Mike DeWine never will.
0: And that labor should not do this. Labor needs to, and I wrote about this too, labor needs to wake the hell up. I know that it's good goings now, and it might be good goings for them for a long time because Ohio is getting redder and redder, but labor shouldn't be doing this. Take a stand.
1: I um, don't like, I, I like to avoid this topic in general because I I. I like a lot of the labor guys in yeah. Columbus, um, but there are there are a few labor unions that are um, that do this especially egregiously. Um, you know, the, the, you know the the construction trades are generally pretty good. The AFL CIO are pretty huh. good. You know, SEIU is good. Yeah. Um, you know the educate. You know the teachers teachers union is really good, but it's the operating engineers and a few other. You know, I, I guess more blue collar unions that just like for some reason just just bought in fully with republicans and yes. are just like you know what you want you want to max check every single year here let's just make it rain for you guys
0: and you don't see people like the oh you mentioned the OEA Ohio Education Association they stick to the sidelines <laughs> like they really should on most issues because they really yep. shouldn't care about most issues
1: absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. it's uh I don't, I, don't love, I don't love the situation that, that I think labor has gotten themselves. They've gotten themselves into a deal with the devil.
0: Yeah. and it, it, it's we'll gonna, come
1: back it's, to bite them.
0: It is going whether to bite them. Absolutely.
1: Whether it's next year or 10 years down the road, it's going to bite them, and yeah, it's not going to be great.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm going to bring up our last topic here. Actually, let's finish up. We're going to stay in Ohio. We're going to talk about a really interesting topic for those in Columbus right now. Joyce Beatty, Ohio House District 3. A probably credible primary challenge by a lady named Morgan Harper, young 30s lawyer, worked for Cravit, one of the top law firms in the country, then was a senior advisor at CFPB, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and is now primarying Joyce Beatty and raising a lot of money. Any thoughts on this, Kyle?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was part of college Democrats when I went, when I was at Ohio State as, as Max, and maybe some people who listen to this know. Um, and as, you know, the official college chapter of the Ohio Democratic Party, we did not often take a, take, you know, a stand in lots of the inter- intra democratic uh, intrademocratic Party, you know, squabbling in Columbus and the rest, around the rest of the state. Um, but this, this year, for some reason, the OSU Dems have taken a, a strong position of being, like of supporting Morgan Harper in a way that yeah. I, I, I think is, is really interesting. And, and I think it it, it, it says a lot about the way that, that younger Democrats look at, look at, you know, not that Joyce Beatty is old, it's just that like the, the older generation of elected officials mm-hmm. and they've just gone full in. I mean, the OSU Dems Instagram account is tagging her constantly. And, you know, I, I nobody said, nobody said AOC was going to be competitive against Joe Crowley and, yeah. what, October of 2017, but it, it, it and I don't, and I, I hope, and I don't think that um, Joyce is taking this lightly, I, I, I know she's got some of the best people in the biz, you know, she's got great community relations, and I know a lot of people in the district really like her, um, and I don't think she's taking it lightly, but I hope she doesn't, because, man, I would not love to see her lose a primary, she is, she is classy, and as good as, as Columbus, I think, could get.
0: I, I think what's going in Joyce's favor right now is that Morgan is raising a lot of money. I think the fact that she's going up against a credible, well-funded primary opponent is going to kick her in the very high campaign gear. She's never had to campaign really before. She, I mean, it's a yep. safe, it's the safest of safe, safe seats. I think this yep. will elevate her, and I think her campaign will respond very well. And I don't think Morgan Harper will win, but I also think she's very interesting to look at because she also she's justice dem sponsored sponsored she does not fit their bill she's a corporate lawyer
1: yeah it's i think i think this also goes to a a, a deeper i think i don't like the justice democrats very much because it feels like they are less about bring, moving the party to the left so much as they just like want to defeat all the incumbent democrats
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and and i think this is a really great example. I am sure. I know that if Morgan Harper won, she would be a fantastic representative.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I, I, I just don't understand why you would endorse somebody who is primarying someone like Joyce Beatty, who is as liberal as they come on basically everything.
0: I I There's... completely agree. I have nothing against Morgan Harper. i Actually, quite like her as a candidate uh, and probably as a person. I don't actually know her, but. I I struggle to want to vote for her. And I'm not voting in this. I'm registered in Wisconsin now because I want my presidential vote to matter. (laughs) But I think it's a very tough, like, set of logic that would have someone who's fairly establishment vote for Morgan over Joyce.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, I I think what we're we're trying to say, both of us, is, you know, and and hedging a lot is that I I think Morgan is a great candidate. And for another time, she would probably be great, but I just don't see, I think for me to vote against the incumbent in a primary means that there is something special, right? Like either the incumbent is corrupt and, you know, is really bad or is too conservative or something, but there's just nothing compelling to me about why I would vote against. I'm not, I don't vote in Columbus either. I've always voted in Cleveland. Um, but there's just no there's no strong compelling reason why I would vote for for Morgan Harper over Joyce Beatty. And for me that's the that's the end of it. I like her, but mm-hmm. she's she there's just no reason for it.
0: I'll I'll defend Morgan here for a, a minute in a roundabout defense. I think a lot of the people online and what people are saying is that she should have ran against Balderson or against Divers, who people see as more compelling. And ab- they're absolutely wrong there. Morgan Harper would have no shot against Steve Stivers. She would have no yep. shot against Troy Balderson. She doesn't fit those districts whatsoever. The only seat for her to run for in Columbus is Ohio 3, is Joyce's seat, because it's safe if she wins the primary. I think her people are playing it well. She raised more money than Joyce Beatty. She has less cash on hand, raised more. I think she has a outside shot. She's running well. I just don't see the like the case for her. And I read the New York Times. The New York Times had a big piece on her last week i read it all i still just don't just doesn't add up enough for me
1: yeah i think yeah i I don't really understand in in her case why congress is the first logical step right she's an attorney she could be you know she could be a fantastic county prosecutor actually no she couldn't do that because i want uh, another person to be county prosecutor but you know she could be a there are so many great roles that she could have that, that are at the more local level, where she could actually make a huge difference. Right? Like everybody looks at Congress and sees this, like this powerful. You know, you get to say you're a Congress person, a member of Congress. But at the end of the day, like Andy Ginther does more to, you know, better the lives of people, of, of the residents of Columbus than than, than 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 Joyce Beatty ever has. And that's not a knock on Joyce Beatty; it's just the reality mm-hmm. of the the institution that they are a member of.
0: And at the same time, Andy Ginther absolutely is a Democrat that should be primaried the hell out of. Uh, I will will take the stance. You don't have to at all. Andy Ginther is representative of a Columbus Democratic establishment that I really dislike. I think if we look at some Ohio health specifics with him, I think there is a lot of bad stuff. I think a lot of red flag stuff has continued in Columbus. I really don't like – the Ginther City Council establishment types at the moment, and I think that it's a shame that no one's primarying him and he has no opponent because it allows the establishment to just keep doing whatever they want to do.
1: So, uh, oh man, if, if no, you look at, at Columbus at City
0: Council, risk- thirty of the last thirty-one city council members for Columbus have been appointed first before they ran and got a, and come an advantage when they ran again. Thirty straight.
1: Yeah, no, that is that is true. But I think I think at the risk of getting too local, I think. I think that Ginther is probably the weakest mayor that Columbus has had in a long time. Yeah. Right? Like like when Coleman was mayor,
0: he, he ran did what city. he wanted.
1: Columbus Columbus was or the city council was a was a was a rubber stamp for him. Yeah. Right? And I think I think Shannon Harden is absolutely an incredible city council president.
0: I like Shannon a lot.
1: Who I think is is in many ways just as powerful as as Ginther he's probably has better he has better ties to the the LGBT community the black community and that is sure. pretty much the heart yeah. of Democrats in Columbus and I think he is um he is a counterweight to the mayor in a way that that you know Coleman or um what's the guy's name who came before him whoever the the previous mayor was
0: yeah whatever uh, yeah, totally agree there, and I think – I really do like Shannon Harden. I think he has set up a powerful council, so I'll agree with you there. Uh, let's actually finish up. This is fairly – we're at like 47 minutes of podcasting. Any important last thoughts you have before we wrap up?
1: Oh, man. Um, well, if you live in Dane County, Madison I, – I do live, live in Dane in, County. W- if you live in Wayne County, which is Detroit, or Flint in Michigan – or Allegheny County, which is Pittsburgh, or Philadelphia, or any of the counties in s- suburban Philadelphia. If you uh, if you don't vote in the general election and you're a Democrat, I'm going to be unbelievably disappointed in you because I'll, you I'll take are. A,
0: I'll take it a step further. I will never speak to you again.
1: Yes, yes, I, 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 yes, I, I agree. If I meet you and I learn that you lived in one of those areas and you did not vote in the 2020 general election, I will never speak to you again. And for all the three or four million of you who I will never speak to again ever, um, also that.
0: As someone that lives in Dane County, I can assure you that I am registered to vote in Dane County. And I will be voting, no matter the candidate in 2020, I will be voting for whoever has the D next to their name. Unless it's Tulsi Gabbard. Take that back. Tulsi, hell no.
1: That would would be such a tough choice, but I think I'd probably still vote for her because I'm a partisan first and a, you know, whatever, second.
0: Which is the way to go, and everyone that says that against Hillary Clinton, if you're a Democrat and you didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, you have to think, you have to be partisan first. It doesn't matter. I don't care about the system. It is a partisan system first and foremost.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Yeah, I think that's great to close out on. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Kyle, for coming on. Have a great Thank week. Thank you so much, Max. Of course, I'll look to this to be a fairly regular podcast because, at least for me, sitting down for an hour and podcasting on the weekends is much easier than sitting down. And I spend probably six, seven hours on every newsletter I do, believe it or not. Like, no matter how many grammar mistakes, a lot of time goes into this. Overall, I won't stop the articles. Uh, I hope you listened and enjoyed. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you.